Hi, Mummy Bear. We're Sweet Pea and Bear, mother and daughter gardeners, well fanatics, and this is our Not Just a Garden podcast. Yep. Each week we're having a natter about the latest episode of Gardener's World with Sweet Pea finding out a bit more about the plants and I'm digging a bit deeper into the people and places mentioned in the visited gardens and your gardens. Exactly. So before we dive into this one, first of all, what have we been up to this week, Sweet Pea, in the garden? Well, the weather has been a bit choppy, so... A bit choppy. <laughs> i.e. rainy than sunny, who knows what it was doing. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of seeds because obviously I'm still following my wrecker uh, book and uh, I have been sowing some white onions, some red onions and I repotted on a chili, cayenne chilli plant which actually, this is quite interesting and I don't know if I'm just being absolutely stupid is I re- it's a cayenne chilli plant from last year that I grew and grew like 10 centimetres tall it's a and then just stopped, height. it just yeah. stopped growing it stopped growing but continued looking incredibly healthy oh incredibly healthy the luscious greenest leaves ever but it's just not doing anything do anything at all anyway so i thought oh maybe the nutrition in this terracotta pot had completely like Been disappeared zapped. zapped so i potted it on in a nice um peat-free compost with some perlite added to it for the good drainage then i also put some nettle leaves in the bottom because Rekka said how she put did this with her tomato plants later in the season and obviously as they rot down it kind of helps give nutrition to the roots and so I thought I might do this with the with the chili plant itself so hopefully it starts sprouting and starts doing something yeah I I don't know enough about their life cycle to know whether that will do anything no or if it's just maybe it's dead but looking alive I don't know I don't know it's if so (laughs) it's a very alive looking dead thing (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> uh, so you've been doing seeds, yeah, lots of seeds, lots I've, of seeds. I've been doing a bit of tidying up in the garden, yeah, a bit of moving dirt to make flatter paths around our veggie garden, yeah, little, just a bit of structural work, a little bit of structural work. Uh, so in terms of housekeeping, do we have any housekeeping from last week? Oh, I'm not sure. I looked up... We talked about Donna's Harvey Bailey's jumper. Oh, yes. Did you find it? Uh, I did. I searched her now. I also asked her, but I, she hasn't been on Instagram for a while, so I don't know if she's picking up messages. I had a look online. There are a lot of these navy jumpers with rainbow sleeves. I can't believe They're how much... so beautiful. <laughs> ...airtime we're giving to this jumper. I know. <laughs> but with these, the rainbow sleeves, there's Mint Velvet does one, uh, Urban Outfitters does one, Doing a search on that particular one, it seems to be a Hayton jumper, but I couldn't find out where you could get Hayton, the label Hayton from. Mm. It seemed to be at TK Maxx. Okie dokie, we're going to TK Maxx. We're going to TK Maxx. Um, also, I think you were mentioning either last week or the week before about wild parsnip, and then you had a oh, moment yes. on this week's God yeah. as well. You said, oh, I didn't mean wild parsnip, I meant wild carrot. Yeah, because in one of the little sections of this podcast that we're going to be talking about, there's wild carrot that comes up mm. and I realised that it's not wild parsnip, the flower that I like, it's wild carrot that I like. They're very different. One is yellow, one is white and one is more of a beast. wild looking thing and more of a beast, which is the parsnip. And the carrot is actually quite a frothy, almost a wedding bouquet flower. It's a bit more delicate, isn't it's, it? It's a lovely umbellifer. So I got those two mixed up. Yeah. Right, so... Let's jump straight into this episode. So it is Gardener's World 2024 Compilations, Episode 4. 
Yes, exactly. So we're with Monty at Longmeadow, um, and he has a whole load of plants, pretty yep. flowers. That Loads we of see flowers. Just to make us all jealous and get us raring to go for the new season. Yeah, exactly. It's so beautiful. Which flowers did you get? I got uh, foxgloves, lupins, ornamental poppies, scabious, dahlias, and rebeccas. Crikey. So I, I got, got like quite a few. I was trying to write them down at high speed. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you're showing so many plants. <laughs> so many plants. Uh, then we go with Francis to Beck's Partridge in Devon. I really like this part. This was from episode two of Garden as Well 2023. And it was a film at a time, the beginning of Garden as Well 23, they had a different cameraman or something because it was at a time when he, he or she did this kind of wibbly-wobbly filming. So it was quite a rustic way of filming rather than the smoother... Uh, camera yeah. work that they do in later episodes it was, yeah it was, it was definitely a different type of camera work at the beginning uh, so Bex has this incredible plot she has her own flower garden and she dries flowers doesn't she the, and they're stunning also the garden itself did you see like the little gate that they walked through loved, to go into it it was really beautiful loved the little gate I think there was a little archway wasn't there yeah to go through yeah. I love all that it's just so cute it's so cute and it looked to be absolutely packed within the fences of that flower garden. It was. It, there were loads of almost like wild flower gardens because everything was just colliding together, I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But it was done in such a beautiful way, obviously not a messy way. It was yeah. just stunning. Yeah, but it wasn't done in neat rows and sort no. of methodical. It was, a, it was a mix between formal and informal. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. So she first talked about umbellifers. Yeah, so she talked about three different types that she likes to use. She talked about the florist dill, which was the first one, which has kind of like a sparkly yellow mm. umbels, I like to call them. Interestingly, you want to water regularly so that you don't get premature flowers. So you don't want it to... Um, oh, what's the word when a lettuce starts flowering? Oh, uh, it goes to seed? There's a specific word for it. Bolting. Bolting, thank you. Yeah. You don't want it to bolt early because you get premature flowers. You oh, want to water it good. regularly so that it gets really nice mature flowers and you want the big flowers for then the floristry. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, then she talked about wild carrot, which is why I mm-hmm. realised, oh, okay, this is the one because this has got the pretty white flowers. You had your light bulb moment. Though. I had my light bulb moment. <laughs> and then she talks about bronze fennel. And when I looked this up... It for me, it looked like a storm cloud, because it was just this frothiness, oh. which was so beautiful, but in kind of like a dark, well, bronze colour mm. to green, and so it looked like this storm cloud because it was oh, so frothy. Lovely. It was kind of cloud-like. What a nice way to describe it. I that's how I thought of it. Yeah. For myself. Well, so she talks about those those umbellifers, and then the next flowers that she was covering with straw flowers and these are like the big ones that she uses a lot yeah and good for drying as well really really hold their color don't they they, mm. they sound like straw when they're still on yeah the they do and also they kind of they hold quite a nice shape as well mm. when they're dried mm. because of the petals are slightly turned up it's good to dry them when they're hanging down and they yeah. just keep the same shape quite a variety of colors as well yeah exactly and then she cut some flax seed heads and uh, Francis was very excited about this. She said, I love flax. You can make fabric from it, eat it, get oil from it. Yeah, exactly. And now use it, now dry it for your dried flower arrangements. It's it's a great one. I, I We don't actually have it, but I really liked the frothiness and the kind of mm. delicateness of the seed heads. I've been reading about flaxseed recently because apparently it's very good for lowering blood pressure. 
Oh. If you had have ground flaxseed, which might be why your grandmother puts that in her cereal in the mornings. She does, doesn't she? she? Now I understand why yeah. she does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what uh, flowers, plants were next that she talked about? She said also with the seed heads, like nigella as well. Oh, and yeah. I do get a lot of nigella and I like to put them personally in my uh, normal displays, i.e. with water. Mm. And... Interestingly, she says you want them when they're green. You don't want it to be brown because otherwise the seeds pop and they yeah. open up. Uh, so that was rather lovely. Then she had a sangasorba. I love sangasorba. Um, and interestingly, she talks a bit later how she used sangasorba, uh, hydrangeas and gypsophila, which is like a whitey pinky purple, mm. small flowers, very pretty. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, she uses... She dries them naturally, i.e. she puts them in a vase of water and allows it to naturally that was it, yeah. dry. She leaves it to dry for a couple of weeks, yeah. just having them in water. Yeah. Which is often how my flower arrangements end up. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Because <laughs> It just takes me ages to actually yeah. get my act together and yeah, throw completely. them out and get rid of the smelly water. I wonder, she, yeah. also, she also dries buttercups. Yeah, and I also so honesty, dahlias and umbellifers. I must say my dahlias were awful when I dried them. They were horrible. They ended up sort of brown mush, didn't they? Yeah. But the buttercups I wanted to just mention because I thought they were stunning. They and were stunning, it, weren't as they? As she said, it's a flower you don't really think of doing. Mm-mm. But they look absolutely gorgeous. And we get a mass of buttercups in our garden. We do. We get loads of the field variety, which were the ones that she yeah. did. So perfect. So it'd be fun to try and dry those and see what they look like. Completely. Uh, did you get any other flowers? I think, my friend... Oh, I got heleniums. Heleniums. Heleniums, which I saw in the garden. I didn't see them dried, but I can imagine that vibrant colour would look rather yeah. pretty as a dried flower. I liked the pressed flowers that she did. I she like those. It's just forgotten art, but they just look beautiful, and to have them on a little greetings card. I love doing people. those. I did some pressed flowers, which I then put into some resin, which I've got some photos on our Instagram page, and it they're so much fun to do pressed flowers because they come out so beautifully. Yeah. And they really and they conserve the colour perfectly. You put them in resin and made one into a pendant yeah. for a necklace and the other one was a, a bangle, wasn't yeah. it? They yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really cool. They were super cool. So the pressed flowers I loved. I had a look online and Bex moved the fam- her family to this spot in Devon in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, interesting. She has an ha- a half acre garden which is surrounded by trees and they're on top of a very steep hill. Uh, which she said just isn't ideal for some of her perennials. So she also has an allotment a few miles down the road, uh, and that has full sun all day. Ah, uh, okay. So she's got another little spot. That's nice. Uh, she's all about no dig, as we are. Nice. So she does no dig. She composts and chips everything. She lets brambles and nettles just grow in the patches she doesn't touch and just really invites nature in to do its thing. So she's not precious about keeping everything clear. I really uh, like that mentality, actually. Yeah, I, well, I do. Uh, well, we, we kind of do it without <laughs> wanting to. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a really cool way of doing it. Also, the, those nettles are great for using as fertiliser. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I'm quite happy to have nettles and pick a whole load, put them on a compost heap. Use them for fertilizer. Yeah. So you know that little studio you had that she had that gorgeous studio. Beautiful. Wasn't it? So beautifully. Done. I loved it. Everything was so aesthetically pleasing. Well, she has plans for a bigger new studio. 
Wow. A new, bigger studio. Um, <laughs> because she runs a lot of workshops. She does one-to-one type workshops. She does group workshops. So she's expanding this whole thing that she does with... I'd love to go to one of her workshops. The drive flowers. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, she's also written two books. One was... Her first one was called Everlastings, How to Grow, Harvest and Create with Dried Flowers. And her latest one is which she did during the pandemic. She calls it her pandemic lockdown baby. It's called Flowers Forever. And they're both available on Amazon. Oh, well, I might need to get some top tips from her about my dahlias. Then we're with Monty again. Uh, He touches on a couple of plants. The sweet corn lark. Yep. And Mm. his Romanesco courgette. That's it, yep. But then we rapidly go over with Nick to Kington near the Morven Hills. Yep. Rod's Farm in Herefordshire this was stunning this was absolutely stunning and I spent quite a bit of time ogling her website yeah because it has all its different areas almost like Monty's garden lots of different rooms loads of rooms love it absolutely loved it yeah so we start start in the more formal garden yeah which plants did you get there so this was Nick talked about how the different plants come out in different seasons so you have interest all throughout so he says how it starts with the Chanticleer pears, or also known as Bradford pears. All right. Um, which, actually, interesting. The interestingly, the flower smells like rotting fish. Oh, that's not so nice. That's no, taken a sinister it's, turn. But it has to smell like that for pollinators to attract pollinators. Really, I feel like pollinators would cope with just some nice fragrance. What some nice? Uh... <laughs> what pollinators are attracting? Who likes? Rotten I'm fish. not sure, but I've seen. I saw this all online. Like, oh my gosh! And it, why does it smell so bad? <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, that is how it is. Then he says how the irises plus the alcaminas come out. Alcaminas oh. are the yellow ones, and they've got this leaf which is slightly jagged on the edges. And then when it, water goes onto it. It holds the water droplets perfectly on the oh. tips of each of the... Oh, it's, pretty. It's really beautiful. We have it in our garden. And Monty was actually cutting it back quite a bit ago. But yeah, it's a really lovely plant. And then it has this slightly frothy uh, yellow flower to it. Oh, okay. And the irises, I'm not sure what colour they were, unfortunately. Well, they were blue, weren't they? Because I noted down irises, alcamillas, and then I put blue and chartreuse. Oh, okay. So that's why I thought the blue was referring to the alcamina, but oh, obviously okay. not. Well, I'll, alcamina... I'll have to look that up and put it in our housekeeping for next week. Yeah, that would be a good one. It's also called a lady's mantle. If oh, oh. You might recognise that name oh, a bit okay. better. okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. And then he said, at the end of the season, you've got your miscanthus morning light. And I thought this was a really pretty one because it has the kind of creamy green mm. uh I don't know what you call them. Leaves? Yeah. Would you call a grass leaves? It's got like strands. What would you call it? Housekeeping for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, but the flowers are then pink. Yeah. So it's a lovely, really nice one. I've actually got a pink miscanthus, which I need to seed up. Do love miscanthus. Yeah. And then we had an enemy honorine joubert. Joubert. And this is a pale pink white flower, which gets to three to four feet tall. Right. So good, good height. Yeah. And you can imagine that with the miscanthus, the kind of pink slightly contrasting with each other. Beautiful. I mean, her, just the general arrangements in all areas of her garden, all the different rooms were so perfectly put together, wasn't it? And that was no exception. And she used opposite colour a lot. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, that was in the next section, wasn't it? When he went over to these long bears, which were just on fire. With they the were on fire. Oh my goodness! Absolutely stunning. I saw some red hot pokers in there. Sort of the yeah. Cat- on the screen, you just got flashes of mm. the different plants, of which there were just hundreds. Loads of cosmia, Lots all of sorts. Cosmia. One of my favourite flowers, actually. It is your favourite, isn't it? Dahlias. There's some allium. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Scal- allium spherus. Sorry, wait a sec. Allium spherocephalon. Oh. That's the one. Oh, I was looking at something else. Yeah. <laughs> which allium is a green. Which actually is quite cool because it ha- goes as it mat- as the flower matures the it goes from green to purple so you can sometimes get a half mature flower which is half green half purple then after that he talked about a marina longifolia did you see this one well this was when he went into the gravel garden he was with carrie good who is the owner of this magnificent garden beautiful garden and briefly i think did she mention there or did he mention that she'd studied garden design before moving there with her husband in 2004 well, maybe I picked that up online, but the the gravel garden was sensational. It was. This is what I want to achieve with our gravel garden. Also, this is like your latest crazy ghost. <laughs> you so go through little crazes in the gra- garden, <laughs> yeah. like it used to be. Oh my gosh, veggie beds. We need veggie yeah. beds. Then it was cut flowers. We need cut flowers. <laughs> then it was tulip borders. Tulips. Tulips. And now, and now it's now gravel, it's gravel garden. gardens. Yeah. Now it's gravel gardens. So yeah, the marina <laughs> longifolia. That was that long leaved. Yeah, really pretty. Flower. Had pinky white spike spikes. Mm. spires sorry spires of flowers yeah it was beautiful almost going towards a nicotiana shape oh yeah flower yeah but on a spike yeah if you see what i mean i do uh so yeah that was in the gravel garden uh however does need a rich moist well-drained soil right oh well so she said about it being well-drained because she rather than planting in the gravel she built up mounded up some compost where oh, she wanted the plants. This you found out, and this was so, really well, interesting. Well, I think it was mentioned on the program as well, but basically so that it would drain, it drains off more. I think Nick then said, "Oh, that was a good idea because it will drain into the paths, and the paths then become almost like rivers taking the." Oh, okay. Water yeah, away. I see you what you mean. That? Yeah, I can see what you mean because it says how like high rainfall, <laughs> high rainfall plus drainage equals the perfect climate for this plant. Right. So oh, that's so that wouldn't deep. be any good here because we don't have high rainfall. No, unfortunately, we that's don't. That's a shame. Yeah. Did you get the other plant that was in the gravel garden? Yeah, the da- now I don't know how you say this. I'm going to say. I was going to say like the car Dacia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's Diaskia. D- Dacia. Diaskia personata. Oh yes. Anyways, this was a Barbie pink for me. Yeah. It was very pretty. I very really liked pink. it. Very pink. And then. Like a lot of plants, you want to deadhead it, yeah, so that you can prolong the blooms. Oh, okay. So a bit like the dahlias. And what other plants? There was a wild area, wasn't there? Did you get any of those plants? Oh yes, wasn't this the area where there were three ponds? This is that's it, the three ponds, and she said this virtually looks after them itself. This and wild area, I which really, again is appealing. Yeah, I want that to become like our pond mm. area with all its wildflowers. I would love that. So there was euphorbia, I saw. Yeah, euphorbia. There were asters in the meadow. And then there was... Now then, I'm not sure if I heard the name right, but I I heard baronia. Veronicastrum. 
Okay, I did not get that right whatsoever. I what... think you just do so well. You've got your little pad and you're scribbling away as we watch the programme. I think what I do is I hear a plant and then they say another plant. So I'm still writing exactly. one plant and then I just model them up sometimes. I don't know how you manage it. Okay, well, it wasn't a brawny. I'm very sorry. I'm pretty sure it said, they said Veronicastrum. Yeah, because my first word that I wrote down was Veronicaster. Veronicaster. And then I <laughs> looked it up and there was no Veronicaster in the exist. world. So I looked up Baronia. <laughs> Did you get any other plant? There was a side... Sidalsia. Sidalsia. Um, from the Malva... No, I'm not going to say this right. Malva C-A-C-A-E. Malva C-A-E. Okay. Family. Which is uh, checker blooms or checker mallows or prairie mallows oh, in the UK. Okay. Oh. So it has that kind of same shape look to it right. and then one plant that i personally picked up on which wasn't said at all was coreopsis verticillata grandiflora oh okay. and this where did you has uh, i saw it repeated quite a few times in the garden actually and this is a coreopsis which has star-shaped yellow flowers and then it has frothy dill shaped leaves oh wow and interesting smells like dill right okay because oh, well when... spotted because when I first had this in our garden, we've got it in our garden repeated quite a few times, actually. Um, I thought to myself, oh, is this dill? Because I, didn't, I couldn't remember what we'd put where or what was what, because we can't name tag everything. So is this something we actually planted or something? Oh, yeah, we actually seeing? planted. This is, so this is actually repeated quite a few times throughout our garden, and it's very nice. Oh, okay. It's rather pretty. Oh, it's not that one that smelled, that I thought was dill. Have we, we've got dill Possibly. and flower beds as well, though, I think. No, we haven't. Oh, So I? that's the one. That's the one. Are you serious? I was so sure we had dill. I was sure we had dill, and then I looked it up, and then I saw it flower, and I was oh, like, okay, okay, this is Coreopsis. I don't know if I'm happy or disappointed about that, because I like the idea of having dill in our garden. Yeah. And our beds. I wonder if you could use it like you use dill. Maybe I shouldn't risk it. A bit risky. So did you get anything else? I think that was it. Then it was a beautiful closing shot where the camera kind of zoomed out and you just saw these doves fly from the dovecot off above their house and into the distance. It was very poetically done. Very, very picturesque, very poetic. So I had a look online and Carrie has a beautiful webpage and she's also on Instagram. Oh, that's possibly Facebook, Twitter, but certainly Instagram with gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous gorgeous photos i did see you this morning going through them and i was like oh yeah. mommy is absolutely in love with this place garden envy yeah God, i would really really like to visit this one well you know we're doing our big tour we're doing so. our big tour of the uk <laughs> so i looked on the, it's part of the national garden scheme but on the ngs website it says it's open on sunday the 21st of july but on Carrie's Instagram page, she says that the garden is reopened to visitors this year at the beginning of May until the end of August 2024. So we can grab a weekend between May and August. Great. We are going. Um, she apparently has got 13 acres of woodland and they've dug out a duck pond. They've built a boardwalk and a summer house all in there. I mean, they've done so much work on this property. Oh, my gosh. And they've planted a small arboretum there. It's really, I mean, really wonderful. There are lots of nooks and crannies to look at, so you'd, you'd while away a good good amount of time having a look at that one. Like even more gardens than we thought there were. Yeah, exactly. So I will put links in the podcast information to those websites. 
Then we're back with Monty and he's talking about water harvesting, which I'm really, really into. You love I it. I keep buying water butts. Yeah, water butts just keep arriving and then we're having to <laughs> yeah. drag them halfway across the garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get the biggest one is a thousand litre one, isn't it? That sits above the veggie garden. That was enormous. I remember we were trying to get that across the veggie beds. We couldn't actually do it. We had we had some builders in at the time and we had to sweet talk them into <laughs> moving it for us, which they seemed to do with great ease, which I was disappointed with. I, I was disappointed with how quickly they <laughs> Because then when we were doing, we looked like two old ladies. Going, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we found so hard about that. No idea. But he showed a really funny photo of uh, Ned. Sorry, not a photo. A the, video yeah, of the Ned. Caught, him. caught Ned drinking from one of the open butts, which our little baby girl does a yes. lot. Sleeping soundly at our feet. She drinks all the water from our water butts. She does. And it's very annoying because in the summer, to try and make sure that mosquitoes don't kind of put their larvae in the water butts. I put lots of fairy liquid in. Well, not lots, not but lots. like a few one drops. Drop. All it needs is one drop and it breaks the surface tension. Yeah, exactly. Except... It's meant to cause the larvae to then just drown because they, they have no surface tension to hold on to. Yeah, it doesn't always work. No, we still seem to have a huge amount of mosquitoes. I, d- I just seen them wiggling going, ha ha. And I we've got float. a lot of those tiger mosquitoes which have come over. They're very frustrating. Which I'm not pleased about because they carry all sorts of nasty things. Yeah. Anyways, the dog then just comes and drinks from the water, but that I put <laughs> the fairy liquid in. But she's... she even licks my hands after I put soap on them. And I don't understand why. Our Hobbsy is a rescue dog and she's got quite a checkered past. She was mistreated, badly beaten. Yeah. And uh, kept in not great... Uh, not a great really bad conditions we expect that she was drinking all sorts of everywhere and her little tummy seems to cope yeah it's amazing quite a tough little cookie uh, baby girl i don't know how she does it i liked the when he was water harvesting they did a nice shot of water boatman which then made me think oh you know if we're putting this drop of fairy liquid in to break the surface tension, that's going to be difficult for water boatmen. But then we have our pond, which we're building. So which I, and I finished digging. There. They don't need to be in the water butts. Yeah, I I finished digging it the other day, and then I jumped into the deepest end of it because I I wanted to pat down the rest of the clay soil because it's such clay soil. Yeah, my welly boots were just thick. Your welly boots, your spade, everything was thick with this clay. Everything. It was awful. But it was so much fun. I was just dancing in the hole because no one could see me. Because you were right down below below um, ground yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, I was just listening to Higher Power by Coldplay. <laughs> so I was just dancing. <laughs> Whistle while you work. Having a lot of fun. And Monty was in his big greenhouse and he was looking at cucumber, the silo yeah. variety. Silo variety. And what else did you see? The Some padron chilies. Yes, which and I'm doing. And chilies, weren't they? I've got my padron chilies, which are looking very good yeah, at the moment. Yeah, they're looking healthy, aren't they? Yep. Then we went over to one of your gardens and this is Matt Kirkbride. And a wee pocket of faith. Oh, that was quite a good accent, actually. Sunshine coast in desert. <laughs> that what, wasn't worse. so good. <laughs> Just went downhill. And he was using a bath for a pond. They'd read on their bathroom, I think. Chucked out the bath and have an hour of a pond. Just got a pump one end. Brilliant. I liked how it was coming out of the tap, so it just looked like it yeah. was a constant flowing bath. It had water lilies. It was very cool. It. And water irises. And then he talked about his raised bed in the greenhouse, the tomatoes, Alamonti. Yeah, Alamonti. Alamonti, and he was using string, the string attached to the roots of the yeah. tomato. To have nice cordon. Plants, yeah. 
Yeah, either and, cordon or bush varieties. And then um, Man After My Own Heart, he said they have an automatic irrigation system, which means they can go on holiday. Oh, that sounds absolutely bliss. Which we didn't have an irrigation system in our veggie garden for, for certainly one year, and it really meant we were tied. It, yeah, it was awful, and it meant you had to make sure you were out there every day. Yeah. Because it can get scorchio sometimes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Really scorchio. And then he showed his sea of comfrey, which he had left to grow where an old tree had fallen down he i was quite jealous comfrey. of that actually because yeah, i'm it. i i really want comfrey because like we need obviously... to get some don't we yeah i've and got loads of nettles seeds. but i haven't got comfrey yeah and i need comfrey so you can make the smelly comfrey tea yes exactly and he had the dead hedge which i love the idea of we've got yeah. kind of a dead hedge you've become quite fond of dead hedges yeah i just think they're two birds one stone they give a, a barrier and a bit of privacy but also they're lovely for the wildlife yeah absolutely uh, and then at the end, we see him sitting in the most gorgeous polished copper bath, just randomly there in his garden. Yeah. I'm assuming that was in his garden. It was the most gorgeous bath. I don't know why he's got that outside. <laughs> maybe that's due to go into the bathroom that they were renovating. Oh, maybe. The other one out <laughs> Doing swapsies. <laughs> and he goes, Tati Bay at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That was I, so sweet. I had a look online and he lives in Orchard Croft that's the name of the house which is a listed building and he recently found out it was home to three Scottish artists. I just know this because he's in all the local papers all the Fife papers. And, oh wow. And uh, That's cool. So he's managed to get a blue plaque for his house. He's a teacher himself and he managed to get a blue plaque for the house for these uh, art artists oh my well, god well certainly for so thomas cool. Dow, who apparently is a famous scottish artist so there's a plaque for him and then after thomas Dow is there his brothers david allison uh, not his brothers brothers david allison and henry allison lived there and they were artists as well uh and just one final point about his house it was an old merchant house and previously a brothel for sailors over 200 years ago <laughs> Crikey, that house has been through all sorts of it's stuff. It's been through all sorts. But for some reason, I don't know why this has come up into my head, but you're saying that there was a Scottish artist called Thomas... What was his name? Thomas Millie Dow. Yes, him. And we've been watching the series Ghosts at the moment. Oh, yeah. And there was a dead artist, <laughs> one of the dead ghosts, well, the ghost, not a dead ghost, um, was called Thomas, and he was, he was had Scottish back. He was a poet, oh, and he, he had, had Scottish, Scottish background. background. So immediately so thought of Thomas Immediately thought ghosts. of that. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we're with Sue Kent, and she's at the Heritage Seed Library in Coventry. Yep. Uh, this is a, just a fascinating segment. I this thought is I'd love to have a look at that place. Really interesting, because I've become quite interested in heirloom varieties of vegetables mm. and all those mm. kind of things, because when we did our first year of veggies, it was just like, oh, your bog-standard lettuce, tomatoes, yeah. all those kind of things, and just your usual... the local supermarket. Exactly, your usual varieties... And then you started getting me really interesting varieties like purple tomatoes yeah. and purple beans. A lot of purple things because I like purple. <laughs> we um, like purple. But a lot of different interesting cabbages, all sorts. Yeah, some interesting stuff. So I thought this was really um, cool. Interesting. Interesting as well. <laughs> I'm sorry, a lot of interesting. Lot of but interesting. it is actually interesting. So she was with Katrina Fenton who runs the place. Uh, and they explained how they get their seeds. So she said many of their seeds come from people who've saved seeds from varieties they can't get in the shops anymore. Uh, so they take them and grow them for seeds and share with people. And then other people grow the seeds to so that they can maintain them in the seed library itself. It's it's a good way of doing it, keep having it like a community around it. Mm. 
Yeah, she had, they she said they have eight hundred varieties of seeds, and some are dating back to the eighteenth century. Yeah, she showed that book, didn't she? Yeah, full of all book. these beautiful drawings and yeah. almost photos. I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, there were more. Yeah, there were more sort of ink drawings. I think. Yeah, I think there were ink drawings. They're just that was stunning. It was a pretty book. And then Sue asks for some recommendations uh, for beans and for cucumbers. What yeah. plant names did you get there, Sweet Pea? So the first ones that she talked about were the beans. And so she had three different varieties. She had a navy bean Edmund, which was a haricot bean. It's the dwarf French bean. Yeah, exactly. And interestingly, the name comes from it being supercharged nutritionally and then also having a long storage life. So therefore the name navy came in. So it's a pretty hardy bean to go for, it sounds like. I think it must be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then also we had Q Blue, which I'm wondering bean. if actually we have this type because I've got some purple beans that I'm going to be doing this year. Oh, we'll have and to some check new the name varieties as well. Uh, so yeah, that was a French bean, and then it had long purple pods, rather, rather beautiful. It could be what we have. I would be really happy if it is we'll the one check we have. That name for next week. Yeah, or for next podcast. And then she had Chapman's Purple, which was a runner bean. Mm-hmm. And that has like a nice meaty texture, which oh, you can yummy. imagine with beans. It's nice to have like a proper meaty bean. I love beans. And that one, she said, was was originally introduced as an ornamental plant. Yeah, because so it's very pretty, pretty flowers. to look at. Pretty flowers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then the cucumbers. So then the cucumbers, sorry, the cucumbers. She actually only talked about one variety, which has kind of two names. It's a cucumber perfection, king of the ridge. Oh yeah, and uh, so she showed this type, and oh. it, she said it's kind of like for beginners, so it was going to be easier for uh, oh, Sue to I kind of look after. They were two types. I thought, I thought there were two types, and one was king of the ridge. But when I seemed to be that it was one type with almost two names, but it, they, the names kind of go together. Right, and these grow up to a kilo each. Wow. Amazing. I mean, that's, can that's you imagine getting that? And then later on, she went on to some really interesting types mm. of vegetables. So the first one was an asparagus lettuce, and I've yeah. never, ever heard of this before. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it, hearing about these new types of veggies? Yeah, which is also called a celery lettuce or a stem lettuce, if you know it better by those names. And this is one where you you eat the uh, stem eat the stem rather than the leaf don't yeah. you yeah and like when you see it online you have a stem and then you like have some of the leaves at the top but you've taken off all the leaves going mm. up the stem yeah and then it's used a lot in kind of uh stir fries right well yeah because she said it was originally from china in the 19th yeah. century and i associate a lot of chinese cooking with stir fries yeah so there's there was quite a lovely recipe actually with the oh yummy i'm really a stir fry with now. egg i know <laughs> We always get hungry on this podcast. Like we're always saying, right, we're now off to eat. <laughs> yeah, we're either off to eat or off to bed, aren't we? Yep, zonked. So, and then there was what was that last one that she mentioned from the Caribbean? Uh, she talked about an achocha. Yeah, fat baby, fat baby. <laughs> um, which, when I looked it up, it was almost like a lychee in the look of it. Yeah, but it had these kind of carved in soft edible spikes. And then hoverflies love the flowers, apparently. Oh, right. Um, and then you can have it raw in salads or cooked like a pepper. Oh, yummy. Like a oh, sweet yes, pepper. Oh, yes, she said about that and how you can stuff them like peppers. Yes. And they're old, older. Yeah, so bigger. Yeah. 
So I had a look online at the Heritage Seed Library website, which is actually called gardenorganic.org.uk. Uh, again, I'll put the details of this in the description of the podcast afterwards. Um, but you can order seeds online. So Ooh, we could get some sent over to us. Yeah, like um, Q-Blue. Yeah, like the Q-Blue. But they have a lot of the more unusual ones on their front page. And they've got all sorts of interesting uh, aubergines. But something that really appealed to me was a beetroot called Dobby's Purple. And it basically is the colour of a beetroot in the shape of a carrot. So that really, really, oh, really deep so red, cool. uh, in a gorgeous carrot shape. So maybe we should try some of that this year. But on the beetroot front, they also have the white devoy, which is a completely white beetroot, again in that carroty shape. Oh, these are interesting. This is what I love so much about vegetables, is you can get such amazing and really weird varieties. There's so much going on out there. We've only scratched the surface. When you have a look at the seed library, there's just the most bizarre looking stuff. So, so it's cool. wonderful that there's an initiative like this where they're really looking after seeds that otherwise could just disappear off yeah. the face of the earth and we no longer have them. It would be so sad. Uh, so I'll put links to that. It's definitely worth having a look and if you want to order any of your weird and wonderful seeds, that that's the place to go. Then we're with Monty and he's looking at sweet peas. I love sweet peas. I've actually done some recently. Which sweet pea was it? Painted Lady. Painted Lady. That's a lovely one. This name comes up in this next section, interestingly. Oh, does it? When we're in Stroud with Sue and Bob Smith. It's a type of butterfly. Oh, the Painted Lady butterfly. Of course it is. Yep. So these are the butterfly and moth fanatics. Bob specifically moths. Sue yep. butterflies. Yep. There seems to be a bit of uh, healthy competition between the two of them. Although a Bob, sweet competition. Bob is pretty forthright with his views that moths are far superior to butterflies. <laughs> yeah. Butterflies are just wimps. <laughs> Apparently. And uh, also butterflies are just moths with knobs on, we find out later <laughs> on, because we find out that the antennae, the difference, the way you can identify a butterfly from a moth, is that butterflies have antennae with slight sort of knobs at the end, yep. opening at the end. Little knobs. Whereas moths <laughs> tend to just have straight antennae or those like feathery ones. Out. Yeah. Yeah, Peter's well, out. Peter's out to a point almost. But yeah, that was funny how he said it. They've just got knobs on. <laughs> so I didn't really go too much on the plants. I mean, I did get some plants, but I did get a load of butterfly and moth names. Yeah. Do you want to tell me what not um, butterfly and moth names you got? Sure. So I got in the mu- butterflies, I got the comma butterfly, which is that raggedy edge one. She said it's the only one in the British Isles that has that raggedy edge. And has a little punctuation mark on it. Has a punctuation it. mark on it. Yeah. Holly blue and a tortoise shell. And then Bob's moths. He had the privet hawk moth, the common swift, the meadow brown, ringlet, marble white, small Essex and large skippers, hummingbird hawk moth, and the box moth, of course. Oh, which she had to keep uh, safely under a jar. Because yeah. poor Sue has a box hedge which looked immaculate. It was an absolutely beautiful box hedge. Yeah. I don't know how she was surviving. Yeah. Well, knowing that her husband could just unleash this yeah. beast, I'm going to say, into this the garden. <laughs> she did say at one point. A bo- I tend not to let him into the garden or let him loose on the garden because he massacres it. <laughs> and so if he, he does that, imagine what the box moth's going to do. Oh, no. The hummingbird hawk moth I absolutely love. I have a real thing for hummingbird hawk moths. We do. I actually had to get one out from... It was trapped in the window today. I had to get yeah, it out. We have one all the, the time, actually. We saw one. I saw one on the Aubrecia yesterday. Yeah, you told I, me to run and get my camera. I have... Uh, did you manage to get it? No, I didn't. We had... A, 
I took little short films of a hummingbird hawk moth on one of our salvias at oh, the end yes, of the season last that year. That was a beautiful one, actually. That was quite late in the year, mm. autumn time. And that salvia was still going strong. It yeah. was in a pot, wasn't it? And this cute little hummingbird hawk moth. It was so pretty. It was they're a rather just, pretty video you did. Yeah, they're joyful to watch, aren't they? I, I'm I'm with Bob on the hummingbird hawk moth. Actually, I do love all moths and all butterflies. Yeah. I'm a particular br- big fan of the privet hawk moth only because as a granddaughter of a grandfather who is big into his moths as well <laughs> and has his moth, moth trap and well, everything he actually got you a moth trap and we did yeah. set that up one year oh and i had a lot of, of fun years. with that actually we should set that some... up this year yeah see what we've got but interestingly um me and my granddad we would go we went with a friend to a privet hedge, the next door neighbour's privet hedge, and asked if we could look around for caterpillars. We found one <laughs> caterpillar, and my granddad, he looked after this caterpillar like it was a baby. <laughs> yeah. He made sure it had the perfect leaves. Well, like Bob, per- probably yeah. takes it on holiday with him. No, unfortunately, not quite to that extent. But What I like about this anecdote is how your granddad's neighbours are all very long-suffering. They know that he's just a, a slightly eccentric chap yeah. who's into all his insects. He just comes walking so past. So when he turns up and says, can I rummage in your hair? She'll just say, sure. Sure, sure my friend. Go ahead. <laughs> it was such a tiny caterpillar at the time. Oh. It was so sweet. So which plants did you catch? Well, I... Actually, I did a bit of looking up because I got uh, three plants, a hollyhocks, a St. John's wort and a scabious. And then I looked up what type of butterflies like these different plants. So for the hollyhocks, it's good for the painted lady. Right. Or Vanessa uh, Cardui. And then also the St. John's wort is good for, is a good host for grey Hair streak butterfly. Oh, right. Uh, and then Escabius is also good for painted lady, small tortoise shell, meadow brown, and the gatekeeper. I think those are the three plants that she said had wafted over from a neighbour's garden. The seeds had come over and... Oh, well, the hollyhocks for sure Yeah, had. Then there was a marjoram. She had a butterfly on the marjoram, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Marjoram's a lovely scent, actually. She had that comma. The comma was on the marjoram. Yeah. And then did you see what the tortoise shell was on? No, I didn't. One of my favourites, Red Valerian. Oh, you do love that. I also really like the juxtaposition of a tortoise shell on a Red Valerian because that's an image I grew up with. We used to have a lot of tortoise shells. Now, did she mention it or did I look that up where they said the numbers? Yeah, she said it, where the numbers yeah. of tortoise shells are declining. Mm. So they're not as common as they used to be. But But as I say, that image of the two... Yeah, it's very pretty. Valerian's lovely. And actually, I still see that um, at my grandparents. They've got a lot of Valerian, haven't they? They've got loads of it, and along these beautiful rocks. Yeah. And then they have, yeah, nice... um, They've got Cornish walls. Cornish walls. And then you've got the lichen on the side, and then you've got the Valerian, and then you've got the tortoiseshell butterflies. Oh, beautiful. As you said, it's a rather kind of idealistic image. Yeah, it is. It's an idealistic image. Yeah, I saw hedge bed straw, or she mentioned hedge bed straw, and then there was the box, yeah. and then Bob mentioned the holly and the ivy, yeah, because there's some moths that like to feed on those. 
I had a little nosy online to see if I could find anything else out about <laughs> Sue and Bob. Um, and Sue kept her light under bushel because she previously was the chair of the Gloucestershire branch of Butterfly Conservation. Oh, wow. It uh, looks like now she's an associate committee member. So she And, and Bob's part of the, the committee as well. Uh, so she was chair. That's, that that that's, was never mentioned. That was never mentioned. <laughs> that should be mentioned. They both give talks on moths and butterflies. Uh, so they can be found online. You can book talks with them. I need uh, to get my grandfather over to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an interesting couple. Then we're to the second of your gardens for this week, and it's Carol and Martin Rayner from Colchester in Essex. And what episode were they from? This was from episode six. Yeah. Uh, from the 2023 garden as well. So quite early on in the year, actually. Oh, well, past year. Yeah, it was quite early on. And they were about reusing and recycling, so they had made a pond from an old wheelbarrow. Yeah. Lots of old pots, most of which were recycled and reused. With lots of different plants in them. Yeah. I actually saw like some ferns, some irises. And then at the end, I thought I saw a kind of burgundy canna or yes. banana. And I couldn't tell which one. I thought I saw that. I thought it was a canna, but I don't know. I'm not very good on the banana canna front. They used watering cans. They had a toilet system as well, didn't they, as a receptacle? That was quite cool, actually. It's interesting. Yeah. And then their greenhouse, which was just fantastic. So this greenhouse was the pièce de la résistance. Yeah, it was all made from recycled materials. The shower screen for a door, that's just genius to use that. It was perfect because it meant you didn't take up any space. Yeah. You just nice slide Across. Yep. Uh, they had an old notice board as uh, sort of one of the panels. Yep. And then an old conservatory roof. And it looked like either there was already a f- vent in the roof or uh, Carol or Martin are very handy. Yeah, because it was wire. beautiful. Yeah, because they had I a skylight roof vent in it so they could air it nicely. Really, really good. And in the greenhouse, what were they growing? Well, they had melons, cucumbers, sweet potatoes, and I thought then I thought I saw beans and tomatoes. Yeah, just a lovely little greenhouse. I was very impressed with that. I, I absolutely loved it, and it was ram-packed with loads of plants. The plants were climbing up all sides. Yeah. And I liked that it was coming off the house, because then you had the nice yep. brick wall, yep. which obviously will have nice heat to it. Nice insulation. So I really liked this. I couldn't find much out online other than Carol is on Twitter. She's head of operations at Mercury Theatre in Colchester. And her little bio on her Twitter account is drinker of tea and grower of seeds. I love that. Then we're back with Ned and Monty. With Ned and Monty, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ned's gnawing on a basket and Monty tries to tell him off. but (laughs) It's quite hard sometimes. He says, asks Ned if Ned's feeling at all guilty and then says, no, not at all. Because Ned just takes the basket back. (laughs) (laughs) So Monty's talking about his tomatoes and his squashes. Yeah. And then we're over to Rekka. And this was awesome. Oh, it's amazing what she's done so far. So Rekka moved from London to uh, the north, to north-facing slope in Matlock in Derbyshire which is just south of Sheffield. Um, This is a completely different plot to her allotment that she had in Harrow in London. And big difference to the climate as well. Huge difference in climate. She's on a slope. So a lot of structural work had been done. Beautiful structural work. work. Yeah. Uh, She said she was learning a lot from this new plant. She uh, She had a lot of growth. Yeah. Which plants did she talk about? Well, she talked a lot about... um, Well, she first talked about onions and parsnips. And then she talked about how she had loads of peas. Oh, those peas you, looked so good, didn't they? And you saw these bushes. It was almost like a box hedge, I'm going to say, of peas. Yeah. Because it was just this big... And she said how she had, had to really get 
down in and yeah find find the little pods these beautiful pods she said she fed them twice with a little fish blood and bone yeah once when the plants went in and again when they first flowered and i think that's quite a good system actually because you want to keep them you want to give them a boost when they're flowering like okay let's go to seed we need to start doing feed because we've never used feed no uh then there was what else did you get she had some kale she had some well she has some tree spinach actually which is rather pretty that and beautiful. You can have raw and salads or cook like spinach. Yum. And then yes, yeah, she had the kale, as you said. She also had courgettes. And then she had strawberry spinach. This Never is heard so this. weird. This is the coolest mm. stuff ever. It has a really interesting flower. Well, looks like a load of strawberries put together. She said she described them as fruit, didn't she? Yeah. She said you can eat the fruit and the leaves. Yeah. Although she I think she said the fruit didn't have the greatest taste. Oh, did she? I think she just said it was not as sweet as. Oh, a yeah, no, that sorry, that was it. It wasn't as sweet as bitter. a strawberry. Yeah, so you're expecting a strawberry, but you don't quite yeah. get that, uh, which is understandable. So that's an annual, um, and then the leaves just t- taste a lot like common spinach. Yummy, and that can get a nice kind of eighteen inches tall, oh, so right. nice, a good height actually, yeah. in the borders. Um, and then she says about how the cooler, wetting conditions. Has They've helped been really a lot of plants, it, haven't they? Yeah, she said the weather's so topsy turvy up there, but the greens are loving it. Yeah, you can imagine because the greens are just like, give me the water. <laughs> give me the water. <laughs> um, her parsnips didn't do so well. No, she didn't that. actually. None of them came up. Yeah, none at all. So she was going to have another go, wasn't she? Yeah, but she said instead she was going to put her early leeks in and. Did she say her mid-season ones? She said she her early leeks have gone in and she now has mid-season ones ready for planting. Yeah, which means you can get your different crops at different times. Do you remember what she said about the leeks? What she does to the roots? Yes. Now, this was extremely interesting. So she has her little baby seedlings yeah. and they've got a cute little bulb at the bottom. Yeah. They're rather <laughs> sweet. And then the roots are super duper long. Yeah. And so her interesting fact is you cut off these roots and it means that when you put them into the soil they kind of settle in quicker right yeah it just and it seemed, helps a lot seemed quite counterintuitive didn't it it did and then the second thing that seemed really counterintuitive was the fact that she with a dibber she went 15 centimeters deep 15 centimeters across spaced yeah. apart and then when she put her plant in instead of putting soil in and around yeah. it she just watered it in, which meant that the soil could naturally flow into yeah, the hole. Yeah, kind of sink down around the roots. Yeah, but still it, it left a bit of a hole. Yeah. And so she said that this works, and I'm sure it does. Yeah. So that's well, what I will be doing. Recognise what she's doing. Yeah, she, she sure does. Her garlic was doing well. She <gasps> said apparently the Derbyshire soil is meant to be very good for garlic. I was really jealous of the garlic because... Mm. We are big fans of garlic. We absolutely love it. We have a lot of garlic. We have a lot of garlic. It's really good for you. Yeah, very good for you. Um, But I really want to get a good harvest. And actually, you put out some little cloves. I did. I put out some cloves. When did I do that? Over Christmas. Over Christmas. And then some little thing came and dug them all up. Yeah. So my very neat line of garlic's no longer neat. They didn't. No. Re- I think it's a squirrel or something. It didn't really eat them. They just picked them up and scattered them around the. They're quite bed. annoying. They're almost like ha ha. Yeah, it's just vandalism, isn't it? It is vandalism. It's rude. Um. So I did. I was looking at her veggie garden because I just thought these terrace beds were amazing. I couldn't see if there were any paths between. They just seemed to be bed on bed on bed, terrace on yeah. terrace on terrace. 
and then maybe as I think I saw a plank that she might walk on. But yes. The edges of the beds, the wood Were that's containing them, so are really thick. fat, aren't they? Really, and like proper nice planks of wood. I reckon they were about ten centimeters deep. Those, oh, those bits easily of wood across. Yeah. So they she were could lovely. easily have walked on there. I really like that. I was I was rather mm. jealous of the wood, and then also the cornflowers that she had down the side. That they was beautiful, nice. and yeah. then also these rock baskets that she yeah. had. Which were lovely. Oh yeah, the, what are they called? The bastions or something like that. You get a basically a cage and you fill it with smaller rocks to create a wall. Yeah, um, yeah. They. I always used to think they didn't look that great, but it worked well in Wrecker's place. And and yeah, I did think maybe we could use something like mm. that because you can also grow stuff in it. You can you have can. The rocks and then you could put soil in and grow some yeah. rock plant type things, like little breaches. Yeah. Or... So it doesn't have to just no. stay like that. Well, I've got some Wrecker facts. Hit me with them. Because I thought we watch her so much. You read her book avidly. We I do. adore her. We just think she's the bee's knees. Yep. So I had a look to see what I could find out. And Wrecker grew up in Zambia, actually, which is north uh, north of Zimbabwe. And she moved to the UK with her family when she was 19. She previously ran a bathroom showroom. I think possibly with her husband. What is that? Uh, bathroom showroom. So selling bathrooms. Oh, okay. Um, but so she then decided to study horticulture. And she did this with the Royal Horticultural Society. So she's now got an RHS diploma in horticulture. Oh, that's cool. And she had her first TV appearance in 2015 on a programme called The Big Allotment Challenge on BBC Two. And she got to the quarterfinal, didn't she? Uh, well, there were eight other contestants, but she was the fourth to be eliminated. Yes quarterfinals um she did her first presenting piece for gardener's world in march 2022 which we saw yeah loved it and she now does a writes for a number of magazines including gardener's world but also grow your own and kitchen garden magazine yeah uh so we're going to be watching her avidly assuming she's going to be through throughout on Gardener's World 2024. I hope so, because that way I can, spring. I can keep up and make sure that I'm uh, do, doing things at the same side time. Side by her. side with Wrecker. <laughs> side by side with Wrecker. <laughs> so that was Gardener's World 2024 compilations. Episode 4, the last of these The last uh, one. Compilations. We now got a bit of a break. Got and a bit of a break till the 15th of March when it 2024 all kicks off. proper starts. Yeah. Uh, so we always look at our favourite plant and top takeaway. What's your favourite plant? So my favourite plant was actually from the Heritage Seed Bank where they had Chapman's Purple because I really loved how it had that meaty ah, texture. Yeah. And then those beautiful purple beans. Yes, fantastic. So that was a lovely, that was a really nice one, runner bean. My favourite plant would be the strawberry spinach. Yeah, that was interesting. That yeah. was so cool. Never heard of it before. Never seen it before. No. Would like to have a go at something like that one day. Yeah. <laughs> one day. One day. What was your top takeaway? My top takeaway, I mean, there were some from Wrecker's section. There was some throughout, actually. But I really liked Beck's drying the buttercups. I thought they were that was so oh, simple. Oh, yeah, that was so a good one. readily available. Yeah. And so effective. So I would really like to try that this spring when our buttercups all come up. Yeah. My top takeaway was actually from when Nick went to that beautiful garden mm. and it was all about the using opposite colours yeah, to really get them to pop out. Yeah. So having that green and the red, yeah, that worked really well for me and I really, I like, I like having almost the clash in the 
quite I love a clash in your face colours. Yeah, I really like clashes in the garden. Yeah. So uh, that's it for this week. Yeah, um, it is. We will be pausing until Gardener's World starts again in March. Yeah, obviously the Instagram is still going. Instagram will still be going. We'll still be putting plants from our garden on there. Even if it's just a dandelion head that's quite a pretty <laughs> shot that Sweet Peas managed yeah. to get with her camera. Yeah, it's so funny in the them. winter when you're trying desperately hard to find photos. But it's also quite nice to see the seasonal progression. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've got a few lovely dwarf irises coming out now, actually. We, have. we need to get those on the Instagram page, so we'll put some on this week. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and uh tell us it what yeah. what you think of it tell us what you as think well. tell us what we can improve upon what you'd like to hear more of what you'd like to hear less of and we'll see yeah. what we can do to accommodate absolutely but otherwise i think it's time for our dinner sure is so i shall <laughs> say bye bye sweet pea bye bye mommy bear